evening and welcome to the Soho Theatre on May the 5th, 2013 for No Pressure to be Funny. Created by Alistair Barry and Nick Revel and podcasting on the British Comedy Guide. And now it is time to introduce your host, a man who's back from holiday like a bearded Judith Chalmers. Please welcome Mr. James O'Brien! Thank you very much. Breaking news. We are hearing rumours this evening that a leading British public figure is not a sex criminal. <laughs> you laugh, but I, I was born in the 1970s, and, uh, and I'm increasingly facing up to the fact that I must have been quite an unattractive child. <laughs> <laughs> Judging from the complete lack of predatory paedophiles that I attracted... The country has avoided a triple-dip recession for which George Osborne must be thanked in much the same way that you might thank a drunk driver for getting you home. Everyone had a horrible time on a journey they didn't want to take and George had no idea how he got there in the first place. In fairness to George, his vision may still have been blurred from Margaret Thatcher's funeral. Britain, meanwhile, continues to avoid further terrorist attacks since the horrors of 7-7. It's debatable now just how much of this is down to the vigilance of the security services and how much is because we seem to be menaced by the Al-Qaeda Special Needs Unit. Last week, six men were convicted of conspiring to attack an EDL march but failed because they got there late. If if there's one thing you can say about the Nazis, it's that they were usually organised enough to start things on time, even even if some of them have trouble telling it. It's time now to introduce you to our panel. Uh, Lee Camp is a footballer who plays in goal for Norwich City. It's very true. (laughs) But then that's Wikipedia for you. Uh, this, This Lee Camp is a writer, comedian and activist. Lee is an outspoken opponent of any form of nepotism, so we will not be plugging Transatlantic Fury, the current tour he is doing with our Lord and Master Nick Revel. Journalist and actor Alex Andre writes for The Guardian and The New Statesman. He has a background in law and economics, but was also born in Greece and runs a theatre company, so is not asked for financial advice as often as he would like. (laughs) Since last appearing on No Pressure, comedian Nat Lertzema has become a published author, made frequent appearances on BBC Three's Live at the Electric, and had her own Radio 4 series as part of the sketch group she founded Jigsaw. We are not claiming credit for any of this. We're just pointing out that we don't believe in coincidences. <laughs> Gary Delaney is a comedian and Mock the Week regular whom BBC Online described as the man Jimmy Carr tries to be. Yeah, it's, uh, I suspect that Jimmy doesn't you know, aspire to living in a rented flat in Birmingham, in all honesty. <laughs> it's, it's, it is the only known case of a performer's review being passed directly to Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs for immediate <laughs> investigation. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your panel. And, and now we, we begin, as we always do, with the devil's advocate. And this week proposing the motion that UKIP is the natural party of government. Please welcome to the stage Alistair Barry. So, this week has seen a tectonic shift in the fabric of British politics. 
The people of the Shires have spoken in a way not seen since Mr. Frodo travelled to Mount Doom, or Brussels, as it's more commonly known. It's easy to take pot shots at UKIP, which we know because David Cameron did it, until he realised that by calling them fruitcakes and closet racists, he was alienating a significant swathe of fruitcakes and closet racists <laughs> who used to vote for him. <laughs> It's also ridiculous. For a start, fruit is exotic and a euphemism for gay, two qualities your typical UKIP voter simply can't abide. <laughs> but let's not be facetious. UKIP were predicted 50 council seats this week and instead won 120, with none of the main parties pooling over 30% of the vote. That includes the Lib Dems, whom this week Nick Clegg described as moving towards being a party of government at exactly the same time as they were moving to sixth place in the South Shields by-election. This is more than a protest vote. Whether it is a genuine shift in British politics remains to be seen. But the famous Victorian newspaper headline, Fog in Channel, Continent Cut Off, does now appear to be an actual ambition on the part of many of our countrymen. And women, but there are less of them in the UKIP. They're like non-smokers. The Conservative Party have been tying themselves in knots over Europe for decades, and Labour seems so unsure of their position on immigration that Ed Miliband has downgraded from a soapbox to a pallet while he makes up his mind. And in the midst of it all sits a beaming Nigel Farage, delighted that no-one seems to have noticed he hasn't got any real policies beyond being against almost everything except tax cuts for the rich and compulsory smoking. I may have made that last one up, but it's not UKIP who are the nutters anymore. Michael Gove, who described any attempt to get rid of Cameron this week as bonkaroony, <laughs> which most of us just thought was one of Wayne's nicknames, <laughs> also said, we are the pasteurised cheese on the cheese board and UKIP is the rich, ripe, stinky alternative. I'm not so sure. The demographic for the average UKIP supporter is white, English, anti-European, over 55, male and ex-Tory. Or, to put it another way, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> UKIP is so much the natural party of government, it's been in government most of my life. Thank you. Alex Andreu, seeing as I have stolen most of my opinions about UKIP from your journalism, it seems, it seems only, fair, only fair to start with you. It, and the question everyone else has asked on every other political discussion panel that I've, I've seen in the last week is, is whether or not it is time to start taking them seriously. I said that months ago. Um, months ago I said the problem with um, parties with extreme views is that rational people listen to them and think, well, that will never fly. But it does, and that's the problem. You have to look at them through the eyes of people who are pretty terrified. And there's a lot of them up and down the country at the moment. Pe people are terrified rather than terrifying. Terrified. That's, that's a crucial distinction. Well, both some Well, yes, but terrified, yeah. terrified is a generous and charitable account. Ter terrifying, less so. <laughs> so decent people who are terrified, as, yeah. as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, that's right. Um, so what are they terrified of? Well, um, today some figures were released that... 20% of people struggle to buy food. Mm. They have to go to credit cards or loans or overdrafts to buy food. I mean, that strikes at the very center of trying to look after yourself and your family. If you can't afford to buy food, and then some charlatan, some quack rolls into town with this color-tinted water saying, I have something that will solve all your problems. 
you are completely ready to accept it. You, it's that simple. It, it is it, that here simple. Here is someone you can blame all your problems are who isn't responsible for it, but yeah, any port in a storm. Uh, absolutely. At the same time, it's, it's political chickens from the last 30 years coming home to roost because this is what all the other parties have done for decades. Anytime anything goes right, it's down to them. Anytime anything goes wrong, it's down to Brussels. So they've prepared this ground, and they're now paying for it. And we're paying for it. Uh, Gary Delaney, where, where do you fit into this uh, uh, distinction between terrified and terrifying, or, well, or just cool? Just to try and uh, win over the audience at the top of the show, which is always an important thing. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a libertarian right-winger, so I actually have some sympathies with some of UKIP's manifesto, but not the mental bits. You know, I mean, I quite like their stuff about you know, small state, flat tax, cutting spending, leaving the EU. Happy with all of those things. But then it comes with a sort of mental authoritarian edge. When, you know, so all of that stuff, that's great. That's advancing individual liberty. But then if you're doing that and then you start going on about immigration and gay marriage, all those are areas the state shouldn't be involved with. And if, you, if you're calling yourself a libertarian party, you should stick to those principles. You know? uh, I, I, can, you ha- can you do it that way? Would you be comfortable having the, uh, the people with... Well, who, who can name two members? Yeah, I can only name one. I don't know if there's... Can anyone name two? I can name three. They're like Pulp. You only know the front runner, really. It's true, isn't it? No, no one ever knew the so keyboardist from Pulp. Wasn't Richard so. Hawley? Richard? <laughs> I used to know Alan Scared, who founded it, but he, yes. he left many, many years ago. Because yeah. it lurched to the far yeah, right and turned racist in, in his world. Yeah, yeah. But would you, I mean, with your sort of right-wing libertarian credentials, would you be happy to see Nigel Farage fighting those battles on your behalf? If, he got, if they got rid of all the mentals, they'd be fine. You know, if they got rid of all the mentals, we wouldn't be yeah, talking they, about them because they wouldn't have got any votes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Maybe that's the thing with, with protest parties, though, is they, they sort of only have one thing that they're selling you. So you can get on board with that quite easily. It feels like much more palatable rather than, like, you know, government who have to, you know, be across all of the things. You can't just have one opinion. Well, they're drawing protest votes from the left and stuff as well, which makes no sense, really. You wouldn't go... I don't see why you'd protest... If you're unhappy with Labour or Lib Dems, you'd jump all the way to UKIP. Because you're unhappy with all politicians, I think. There's sort of quite a strange dissatisfaction and disillusionment with everybody who's in the political class and the political establishment. And it seems that 25% of people who bothered to vote on Thursday thought that the best man to really strike a blow against urban elites was a millionaire, public school educated, <laughs> former city trader. <laughs> and, uh, there's confusion on almost every level. Lee Camp, I, I'm going to presume that you have mercifully been spared the UKIP experience <laughs> on the other side of the Sounds other. like you guys wanted your own tea party. Ah, <laughs> yes. I, mean, uh, I think it sounds like Sarah Palin would fit right in. You are hearing genuine echoes of the Alaskan mama bear or whatever she's called <laughs> that sounds like a sexy thing <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot come of on mama bear it is a sexy thing <laughs> well make sense of that <laughs> That the fundamental split on the right is, is between authoritarian and libertarian. You've got, a mass, you've got massive differences between uh, right-wingers who favour individual freedom and right-wingers who think that, you know, sort of hang them and flog them. And it, it's, it's very difficult to fit the two together in the same party because aside from both liking sort of free markets and low taxes, they, otherwise they have very little in common. So well, that, that's, how, that's how I'd like but, to see the right But split. there's a great big swathe of them in the middle that are somewhere between those two stalls and basically believe that incredibly harsh laws should apply to everyone else except me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's exactly the gap where you keep step in. In, in and giving people laws. exactly what they want. It's cuts as That's well. It. It's, it's, I mean, are you it's, in favour of a programme everything. of cuts? Smoking, smoking in yes. pubs, uh, wind turbines, uh, 
you know, more holidays. I mean, yeah. you name Apple it. Apple pie. You name it. Cake. And, and that's the gap <laughs> they're filling. The, the problem is that they're appealing to emotion. They're winning hearts. And all the other parties have given up winning hearts. They just go for winning minds because that's the, the sort of the adult and scientific thing to do. So they quote statistics at each other in a way that no one can understand. And people out there just want to hear that everything's going to be all right, we've got your interests at heart, and we're going to work hard for you. I mean, that's all they want to hear. No one cares about the statistics of the deficit or the debt. People just want to be told Whose we're, fault going to, it is. we're going to work really hard to make it all right. That's Who's, all. Whose fault is it? If you wanted to be appealing to minds rather than hearts, who, you, who would you be blaming our, our, our travails on at the moment? Who would you point out and say, it's actually their fault? Well, what would I be doing? Yes. I mean, it's, it's the way the system is created. We're, we're on a monopoly board where no one ever passes go, no one ever collects £200. We just land on super tax every time round. <laughs> and other people own all the property. Um, but that's essentially what it is. For every pound, every pound created is instantly has interest on it. Every pound created is instantly worth 95p. How the hell are you going to repay your debt by creating pounds that are worth less than a pound? Why does it's this... It can't be done. There are two, I mean, there are basically two gaps in the market opened up. I mean, firstly, when the Lib, you know, the Lib Dems joined the coalition, so mm. there's nowhere for the protest votes to go, so they can promise anything to anyone and step into that market. And Cameron sort of broadly moved the Tories to the left, so he opened a gap on the right, so that they step into that and promise everything to everyone. I mean, the Liberal Democrats at the moment, it's, it's unbelievable. They're like, they're like at the bottom of a, of a sort of well shaft eating scraps of chicken <laughs> while, while George Osborne in a kimono with a poodle is saying to them, it rubs the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose again. That, that's, that's basically it. They don't exist anymore as a party. I might. That image is going to stay with us all, I think. Is it? Is the it? silence of the Lib Dems. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Who would vote for them now, apart from his mum? She's wavering, to be she, honest. She, she, <laughs> Do you think, because these were local elections, if, if you could win an entire council, does that council have to leave Europe? <laughs> to see, like Wolverhampton leave Europe or something like that. There is, um, there is a little... Post I think script. Europe would go for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Birmingham would go for that. <laughs> I mean, loads of people voted on immigration for the policy on immigration. If you log on to the website, the bit on immigration says, um, under construction, we are reviewing this policy. And it, it has said so in the, for the last month. And I am absolutely certain that that reconstruction will be undertaken by polls. <laughs> <laughs> The, um, the, it, Did you see as well that the Farage said there was going to be a, a sea change now? And it's like, don't change the sea. That's the <laughs> only thing that's separating us from Europe. You need that. <laughs> Which, yeah, we took quite a bit of jip on, the, on Twitter and, and such like this week. My favourite being, why doesn't, if, why doesn't James O'Brien do us all a favour and move to Europe? <laughs> <laughs> we all heard Ed Miliband, or heard report of Ed Miliband on, on World at One. Alex, just because you watch these things most closely professionally I've got less idea what Ed Miliband stands for than I have what Nigel Farage stands for I think, genuinely 
Is that a fair comment? I don't think any of them have any idea where they stand for. Even in private, for, do they have principles in secret? Do they sort of sit around <laughs> at home going, I believe in this, that and the other. Don't say that in public, whatever you do, because you're bound <laughs> to scare somebody off. And then on the radio, they just say, well, I, I'm both for and against. Well, the problem is you've got, you've got various ideological systems, all of which have been proved not to work. Yes, um, on that so, happy note. And so people, people are really cautious about pinning their you know, hitching the wagon to one, to and, and a particular it, one. But th- my question is, where's the new one? Yes. Where's the new ideas? But no, I was, I was at the, uh, the first day of Occupy Wall Street, and I think it was a very coherent alternative to capitalism. It was a drum circle in a soup kitchen. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised there isn't more left no, but unity I do, on that. I, I, mean, I do wish there was there was some de- like there just needs to be some talk about it. Like like people won't even I mean the, 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 they won't even discuss like resource based economy and, and some of these things. Like you, the discussion's not even allowable. Why not? Because people they 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 just yell Marxist and run away. Any time you suggest the rich have got too much in America, you're a communist. Yeah, and it is heading that way here. There's a don't bash the bankers would be the very British polite equivalent of, of, of calling everybody who criticises the status quo a Marxist. Does someone say don't bash the bankers? Yeah, uh, I was just thinking, who yeah. the hell is saying that? Are you not listening to bash LBC 97.3 for 21 <laughs> hours of the day when I'm not on? This is unbelievable. Lots I've of people. Boris Johnson has said stop bashing the bankers yeah. many times. Well, he's wrong. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all right. That kind of goes... <laughs> I was thinking the one thing UKIP have done that's probably quite... Welcome is, is the BMP have been completely finished off. Um, they're now, and I kid you not, I'm on their mailing list. They're now urging... <laughs> they, are, they are urging members to breed more in order to keep... It's not funny. In order to, well, it's, not, it's not funny in that way. Order, in order to keep a white majority in this country. Uh, Lee Camp, if you were trying to propagate a master race, what policy do you think you might adopt? Well... <laughs> Well, can I, can I just say first off, though, that of ta- if you take them seriously, uh, if two BMP-supporting parents pump out six kids, yes. and, and don't those kids grow up to hate the BNP to rebel like yeah they, yes. they're, they're going to hate their parents and they'll hate the, the other kids in the family and it so doesn't I don't think seem you, to work I don't like think that. you actually create BNP supporters you can't Jeanette well no and by the time they mature like you know England will be underwater so. I, I, yeah I don't <laughs> Also, what is the gender ratio in the BMP? Is this just going to be a massive gangbang? Yeah, it's all men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I, mm. Sausage. Now this sounds appealing. Yeah. I wasn't. See, well, Griffin said they were being outbred, and I think it's inbred. I think it's, yeah, it's an easy mistake that he's made. Uh, that's, that's the perfect answer to being outbred. Isn't it? What do we want? We want to be inbred. We don't want to be outbred. We want to be inbred. People have been telling them to fuck off for years, and they're finally... Should other minorities take it up as well? I'd like to see Let's Get Randy for Ramadan. (laughs) Everyone can have a go. Just competitive breeding. Wouldn't everyone be so weak through hunger that that would just be uh, a lot of sleeping on each other? You know, as this conversation progresses, I go off the... Because this used to be a Catholic monopoly. We used to to have this one sewn up. I've wasted an entire master race in tissues. I think it's uh, (laughs) clearly going... Uh, um, I I, I sense you're not taking my question seriously, so I'll try I'm going to give the panel a, a quick rest. Let's welcome back to the stage Nick Revel.
Um, okay, so I grew up in Yorkshire, uh, and my friend Stu, who also grew up in Yorkshire, a really good friend of mine, um, he and I are both West Ham fans um, because we grew up in rugby league areas. When we came to London, we could choose what team to support, and we both chose to support West Ham for, the, for the, their reputation as the, the artists of the English game, the academy of football. We're hopeless dreamers uh, in, in football as well as politics. But uh, when West Ham got promoted to the Premiership again last, last May. We were round at uh, Stu and Vander's house and uh, Stu had put in the fridge this bottle of 1990 vintage Bollinger champagne which the four of us drank together to celebrate West Ham's promotion. And this... Sh- I've drunk good wine in my life but this bottle of champagne was just absolutely magnificent. It just looked beautiful. It was a deeper, richer colour. When you smelt it, it was almost like a dessert wine. It had just this kind of hay and apples, and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And as you're drinking it, you're thinking, this is magnificent. And suddenly, I understood how bankers behave. Because I was thinking, if I had access to that kind of bonus, I'd be drinking Bollinger champagne, and I'd be thinking, you know what? I know we live in a really cruel, unjust world, and I help shore up that with dodging tax and taking these completely unearned bonuses. And if I maybe gave a little bit more back to the state, and we had a fairer distribution of wealth, poor people would have money to live on, and disabled people would have money to live on, and we had a fairer, happier society. On the other hand, if I did that, I wouldn't be able to drink this kick-ass fucking Bollinger every day of my life, so fuck off, cripples, I love the bouquet of this vintage stuff, right? Now, None of us, let's face it, none of us is immune from the corruption uh, and the inequalities uh, being perpetuated in capitalism. And if you're a drug user, you're not immune for it unless you constantly and exclusively only buy fair trade organic cocaine from small independent growers. Uh, or if you buy your clothes for Primark unless you check the building certificate of the sweatshop <laughs> where it was built before you actually purchased the clothes, we are all corrupt and involved in some way. But seems to me, you know, I would hope that I would drink another bottle of that champagne in my life. But I don't want to be in a position where I'm drinking it every day of my life because I don't know how much that bottle cost, but I certainly could appreciate the value of it. It was a beautiful thing. And, of course, it's expensive because they only make vintages in certain years when the grapes are ripe, when the climate is right, and it's storing them in the right way. So that's where the cost comes from. And then the added cost comes from these arseholes who just buy all the time for the status and probably don't give a shit about how it tastes because they're too fucking high on the coke they're taking from small independent producers to care. (laughs) So what I'm saying is moderation in all things. And we could take a tangent here into the relative values of the physical and spiritual as explored in Stoicism, Epicureanism, and indeed maybe Pyrrhonism. But, you know, academic references, as with everything else, in moderation. A little, mildly entertaining, too much, pompous twat. So... (laughs) The point is, right, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a super-rich member of the 1%, constantly pursuing wealth and the consumption of luxury items purely for the status and the meaning that, they think, that you think they confer to your meaningless existence, you are not just, in my opinion, immoral, that's just an opinion, but you are definitely, technically, in an obsessive way, a narcissistic sociopath, 
and that makes you an addict. And if you have an addiction, that means you are in no way free, which I believe to you one percenters is the big idea that you always use to justify the pernicious system that you're at the top of and you prop up. In moral terms, you are fucked. You ain't got no freedom. You just have a lot of stuff. Now, being mad, you won't have a clue what I'm talking about here. But if you like, I'll be happy to explain it more fully for the right fee. <laughs> and frankly, I'd be happy if you paid me in vintage Bollinger. Thank you. <laughs> Lee, I, I'm supposed to have done a lot more American material in the first half of the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I feel I owe you an apology. We will, we will of course... To turn our attention to the other side of the Atlantic in the second half a little bit. There's nothing to make fun of on the other side of the Atlantic. I, I, no, 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 there is no pressure to be funny, after all. But I, there is one thing I wanted to ask you. If you had been in Boston during the lockdown after the bombing of the marathon and you wanted to go out, what would have happened to you? <laughs> That's a great question. They did not, did you see they did not lock down one thing? Yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. Exactly. The L- literally. The okay. land of the free. <laughs> I love it. We, we, you can shut down everything but our donuts. Let, I'll rephrase my question. If, uh, I wanted, if I wanted to go out in Boston during the lockdown after the marathon bombings for something other than donuts, <laughs> what would have happened to you? Oh, me? I see what you're saying now. <laughs> it's quite a European um, idea. No, it, 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 <laughs> Uh, it, 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 it's 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 fucking horrific what happened because it's it's the militarization of our police force and nobody questioned it. I mean, there was little debate on the mainstream media of it, and there are photos of bullet holes through people's houses, like literally a bullet hole through a guy's desk chair that he happened to not be sitting in at the time. And this is from them taking down these these two these two guys. And yeah, we want them caught, but not if you're going to kill people in the suburbs to do it. It's it, it was horrific, and, and nobody's really questioning it, and uh, that's terrible. No, nobody, at- I mean, apart, apart from the, the usual, so John Stewart and people like that, presumably, yeah. will be, but no one in mainstream mainstream media, that increasingly dreadful phrase. No one, because so, we, we watched that over here, even, even people who perhaps have a illiberal view of the world thought, so you actually, you can't go out of your own front door because of, essentially, two people who have killed three people in a country right. where... With the greatest well, of respect, you're shooting each other on a daily basis. <laughs> no, it is true. 20, 23 people were shot and killed in Chicago the day before the Boston the day bombing. Before or the that day before. Or that weekend, so Saturday, right, okay. Sunday. Uh, 23 people. Yeah, then it's feasible. Two days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, and, you know, not, that's not discussed. But because this was an act of terrorism, it's, everyone's horrified of it. And to answer your question, what would have happened to yeah. you? There, there was a guy that I guess was loose. He was out on the streets. And they uh, th- assumed or thought he had something to do with the bombing. So they ended up forcing him to get nude, lay on the ground, and then there was video of him blurred out being arrested and escorted to a cop car. So there's your answer. I, I don't know. If this good is evening. A, if only he was clutching donuts. He might have had some donuts. Yeah. That's a good excuse. Where was he holding them? Did anybody... <laughs> when, when, no, when... Get ring donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was assumed. Yeah. <laughs> When Lee was relating that story, that notion of being stripped naked and... and, and, and but did anyone else have Homer Simpson in their mind during that? <laughs> I just... I kind of... Just satire, eh? Can I, um, one, can I ask one question on it? They, they, they eventually caught the guy who was in a boat in somebody's back garden. Yeah. Yeah, Does yeah. that mean that in America you have bullseye? 
Because <laughs> that, that, that was why people in Britain had boats in their back gardens. <laughs> what would happen, Lee, is that, yeah, I know, yeah. and I'll help you out. Here. So it was, a, it was a quiz show based on darts. Have I lost you already? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so a quiz show based on a pub game where the prize would often be a little bit incongruous, like a jet ski or a speedboat, culminating famously in a couple from Hull who lived on the 14th floor of a tower block and, <laughs> and won a speedboat in, a, in an episode of Bullseye. <laughs> so, and um, this was before this, eBay. It, it, yeah. <laughs> so it would be fine. Um, I, let's have a look at some of the contributions that have come up from the floor during the interval. Uh, closing Guantanamo. Obama promised to do it if he was elected. <laughs> And he's now been elected twice, and it's, it's still open. <laughs> so, obviously, he's hoping that someone with You're the power, the political yeah. power and, and, and mandate, will step into the frame and, and take the pressure off on Guantanamo. Right, perhaps Lindsay Lohan or someone. Y- yeah. <laughs> Um, well, and, and what's, I mean, the, the, the hunger strike is horrific, but what's incredible that it doesn't seem to get much uh, leverage in the news is that 89, well, like half of these prisoners, have been completely cleared for release. There's no charges against them. The courts have said there's no charges against them. Completely cleared for release, and they're just, we, we don't, I don't know, they're, they, 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 they sit there for years. And years. they're now being force-fed. They're now being held down and having, you know, you know pipes shoved down their throat all the way into their stomach. And you make it sound bad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get your supplement. five a day. Sometimes yeah. it's difficult. <laughs> it's, it's the sort of foie gras of international... You can come out when you're Sorry. obese enough to be no. American. <laughs> Why? Why is it not? I mean... Again, it might be the same answer somehow, elliptically, to the Boston bombing question, why 23 people got killed that weekend, but they close the whole city down and call a saucepan a weapon of mass destruction when it's a certain type of criminal. Uh, is it that simple? I mean, no one in America gives a hoot, and it's not big news here, mate. I, I, I'll be honest with you, apart from the Independent, I don't think anyone's really writing about it. Well, yeah, why, I mean, why, I guess... Why it... not? I mean, there's, there's a British citizen there. There are citizens of all sorts of countries there. As you say, a 100 of them have been completely cleared. And, and furthermore, as if the U.S. justice system, if they were on U.S. land and actually given charges in a trial, couldn't handle a terrorist. I mean, there's, there's been plenty of people who have been prosecuted through the system, so it, it makes no sense, and I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's, well, I've got you here as the man who will make sense of it. Yeah, <laughs> any minute now. Hold on, hold on. I've got a theory. Wait, I got it. Go on, go. Obama keeps saying that it's going to close soon. Is it sort of like the DFS sale? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. You know what day it is yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, it's a bank holiday. <laughs> They're all working in B&Q tomorrow. So. Alex, the only answer I've heard to the Guantanamo question that is vaguely compelling is, imagine if he let them all out and one of them did go and blow something up. Then how would he look? Is it? Is it? Have you got anything better than that? Like a moral human being? Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, even if they weren't going to blow something up, if you treat them like that for that right. long, then surely if they do come out and blow something up, you'd be like, I can see why you're cross. Right. Like I, I, it's I, like putting I, a wasp in a cup, and you know you have to let that wasp out at some point. But the longer you leave it, like you are furious, <laughs> and I totally understand. I'm so sorry. Uh, I want to see a wasp in an orange boiler suit. That'd be a lovely. Little... <laughs> We're back to B and Q again with so, the no, orange boiler suits. Absolutely. There's like a theme running through this whole. I think the re- the real reason is just the trappings of power, isn't it? When you're not in power, it's very easy to say that we're going to have whatever Freedom of Information yeah. Act, or whatever. Actually, if you are the president, I imagine having a hole where you can just throw people and they go away and no one says anything is a very handy thing to have, and that's why he keeps it. Well, it, you say that. He said this week that it doesn't need to be open, it's not serving any purpose, and it's radicalising uh, people around the world. So well, then I, we should ask him about his drone attacks. So. 
speaking of radicalizing people around the world, I mean, there's, there's a way to create terrorists, and it's randomly drop bombs on their cities. Yes. And... It's not like I have been opposed to Obama the entire time sure. or, or everything he's done, but at the same time, he seems quite good at saying something and not really doing it. I mean, he, he stood up for Planned Parenthood, which, uh, you know, allows most of the abortions in the U.S., and, and he stood up for that, which was a big deal. And the same week came out in support of this, you know, anti-women Plan B pill. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it, uh, that seems to be the theme with him, is saying something and not caring about it. He spoke up for unions at the State of the Union and, uh, and then basically just allows them to be crushed at every turn, it seems. Basically, he's got a terrific speechwriter. He has, yeah. hasn't he? And he's got some, I mean, charisma and, and yeah. can win a room over, but then as soon as the speech is over, he's finished. He but in a hundred years' time, we're going to be quoting his speeches and no one will remember the detail of it. That's the way things work. So the, history Sadly. will remember him wonderfully. So we should jump oh, yeah. on the ship early <laughs> and say so he's magnificent. He is, well, but, he is a but magnificent. But there's a complicity there. And what's going on with Guantanamo is that people are saying, um, well, he's saying it's a really bad thing. Yeah. Therefore, if he didn't think there was reason to keep these people in there, he wouldn't. And and that's that's the sort Hang of on. really just, uh, whoa, whoa, yeah back, that's back the because it's really fo- it's a foggy area it's a sort it's of wink Heller. wink nudge nudge to the public that says we can't tell you why we're keeping these awful people but it's for your own good. Yeah. It's similar to if we kill them with a drone, they are a militant. Yeah. <laughs> why else would they have been killed with a drone? And that and that works. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> happy happy things about. Laboring under a banner entitled No Pressure to Be Funny, as, as, as you've discovered already, we can sort of veer into any news territory whatsoever. The next, the next one is, is, is odd. You, you've probably already heard jokes about it, and yet it remains probably on the top of most people's list of things that are, are deathly serious. Stuart Hall has become the latest entertainer from the 1970s and 80s to emerge as a, as a sex abuser, including a nine-year-old girl. The BBC once again stand accused of being complicit, and I don't think anybody would be surprised if tomorrow's news or, 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 or later in the news in the week, other names, uh, familiar household names, emerge. In fact, if you join me at the bar after the show, I'll tell you exactly who is next on the list. <laughs> um, for purposes of the podcast, we'll go, we'll go no further. But, so you um, were a pretty child. I, no, it was nothing to do with me. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine? No, no, you couldn't. Um, I, I, I guess, in, especially the, the the British comedians on the panel, which is which is Gary and Nat. The, the BBC is a is is is. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big employer, and yet it does. If you were to be completely moralistic about it, it, it does bear. Doesn't it? Some culpability in this? It does. It does. They definitely knew. I mean, because I know, I, you know, I, I've done bits and bobs at the BBC, and they say that, you know, Savile had girls in his dressing room and, and, and people didn't know about it and whatnot. But if you're in a dressing room at the BBC, I have never once managed to have a shit in a BBC dressing room <laughs> without being interrupted at least once. So how we used to manage to get teenage girls in there, there's always, there's, there's runners coming around, there's food, there's microphones, there's producers, you, you, you know, there's no way that you could do anything in there without them knowing what's going on. And that, so that means they knew and they yeah. steered clear. Yeah, absolutely. I guess everyone knew except a couple of simpletons who thought every day was bring your daughter to work day. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Well, I feel sorry for Stuart Hall as well. If Stuart Hall, say, if he gets 10 years in prison for this, they'll play his Joker and he'll end up with 20. So, <laughs> when he empties his slot bucket, is it just going to be blue water? And he'll go, Whoa. Um, no. This is what I said. Jokes lend themselves very readily to the territory. I think because in the classic traditions of comedy, we're very uncomfortable with the territory. And, and, and laughter is somehow a camouflage from that. I, I guess, I suppose what I'm interested in is, is whether or not, as people who have been in green rooms and been in dressing rooms and been on television, whether or not you can understand how it happened. Whether or not you, you have seen that, that sort of cult of the talent. The talent must get what they want. People do get away with a lot, yeah. People don't want to rock the boat. I mean, I don't, you know, I've seen people get away with not that, but much more minor things, but things are tolerated because they want, they want a successful programme, they want someone to be on it, they don't want to upset the star. And, <coughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can... Yeah. When I'm at a comedy club, I'm lucky if they give me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about these monolithic organizations yes. as well. It's not a coincidence that, that you get places like the Catholic Church, the BBC. You know, the, There is something about places where you get ahead by keeping your head down. And so who's going to report the big star? Yes. Who's going to do it? Who's going to physically step forward, be the first person to step forward and make that allegation? And when you have these big, big organizations where basically you do really well by being gray and mixing into the background, no one's going to do that. And that probably still is the case. Probably is. In these monitors. The, the people like who interrupt someone, Gary when yeah. he's on the lavatory, they're, they're the ones that should have stepped in sooner. But they didn't have any power. If they'd have stepped no. in, they'd have just lost their job, wouldn't they? Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I think on these things, if, if something's covered up, it has to be sort of covered up at the top. A few people will be sort of hung out to dry, but I don't think you'd ever get the ultimate people responsible. Should we send an 83-year-old man to prison for, for crimes committed 30 years ago? Yes. 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 <laughs> Spot the phone in host. Uh, well, in the room. <laughs> <laughs> at what age are you like... I mean, if, if a 90-year-old is a dick to me at the bus stop, I sort of let it go because they're 90. But, like, yeah. the law doesn't stop when you can go, I'm very old, and you go, oh, well, then. And it's, and it's, Sorry. It's... it's driven a coach and horses through the anonymity argument as well, hasn't it? Because Stuart Hall probably would not have pleaded guilty if it were not for the number of people, women now, who've come forward to say, yes, he did that to me as well. It was the, it was the quantity of complaint as much as the quality that, that presumably led his lawyers to advise him to, to plead guilty. I imagine so. It's a, well, anyway, as I said, we, we call it no pressure to be funny for a reason. I felt that was a story that we should at least, we should at least address and, and yeah. turn our attention to. Can I ask the panel, says, says this, <laughs> this lovely correspondent from the floor, that since Gideon Osborne is obviously not qualified to be the Chancellor of the Exchequer, what job would he be more suitable for? It says, could Alex answer this first, please? <laughs> um, well, he did quite well at folding towels, apparently. When, That's when, the only job he's had. When was he um, a towel folder? Uh, I think it was Selfridges. Oh, yeah. That's job. the only job he's actually had. Can you believe that? Yes. I'm amazed he lowered himself to that. It's the towels I feel sorry for. <laughs> <laughs> you know they asked him in front of a committee in Parliament um, how much money the Treasury was taking from petrol and he forgot VAT. Forgot to include he it. He forgot wow. VAT. And then when they reminded him, he couldn't calculate on paper in front of him 
how much VAT in the pound he was taking. Yeah. For the first time ever, I and feel And this is the man that's running our economy. But he has people to do the sums for him, Alex, doesn't he? It's a little much to expect him to, you know, do the actual sums himself. This is true. His job's to be a shield, isn't it? His job is to absorb all the flack and protect David Cameron for it. And that's why he's there, you know, to be the unpopular chancellor and soak up all of that. So they could use him as an actual shield when the police have to storm an embassy or something. And he's, and he's fulfilling that role quite so, expertly yeah, at the yeah, moment. Yeah. And, that's why, and that's why they'll keep him. He, when, he defends but, everything. But the, the opinion poll ratings, when you look at the approval ratings and the like at the moment, we, we, we can all sit here, apart from yourself, Gary, singing from similar political hymn sheets. And, and David Cameron still gets better ratings than any other. That's right, isn't it, Alex? He's still yeah. the most popular leader. He's still the leader people would most like to uh, have a point with, as well as vote for as Prime Minister. How would you explain that? The, I mean, it's too close to the last Labour administration. So People haven't there. forgotten, they haven't forgiven, they haven't forgiven the Iraq war, they have not forgiven what happened towards the latter years of that Labour administration. And so, you know, it's going to take extra hard work, I think, to, to get that back. Um, but at the same time... But what, why is he not getting coated in the way that Osborne is? So you can sit here and, and, and lead the line on giving Osborne a kicking. Everybody joins in, even the questioner is part of the process. But with Cameron, it doesn't quite... He's not, he's not perceived as being covered in quite as well, much. Well, they don't call him York. Teflon Dave for nothing. Do they call him Teflon yeah. Dave? Are you sure they call him? I've never heard him called Teflon <laughs> Dave before. <laughs> no, that's just because his head is so shiny. <laughs> and, slick. and he has a bit Very of bacon stuck thing. on him. Well, yeah. well, why do you think it is, Gary? Why has he somehow managed to uh, just sort of isolate himself slightly from the criticism that's piled on the rest of the cabinet? Just very government? cleverly managed. I think there was think an old, there wasn't there an old trick called was it the good king and his terrible advisers, which was just where you, you know you keep your central figure safe and deflect all the, all of the bad things onto the people around them. So that's everyone not that That's what they did with Destiny's Child. <laughs> <laughs> you keep Beyonce and you just rotate. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I, a good analogy. So, who was the? Shield and who was the king? Who were the oh, well, the, the Kelly was sacrificed. Kelly was, was sacrificed, <laughs> and then she had a boob job. Maybe she had it earlier. She might. Have, I don't know. You know. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I've gone too political. You can't yes, it. Osborne's the same when he does the budget because if he likes something, he puts a ring fence around it. <laughs> All right, I'm trying. You leave. <laughs> there, um, oh. there, there, there's a large volume of stories around this week related to women's rights. We've got Irish activists facing long jail terms for publishing information about morning after abortion pills and how to get to Britain for terminations. We've got death threats to women planning, having the audacity to plan to vote in Pakistan's elections next week. And Saudi women are now allowed to ride bicycles in designated areas. I just thought we needed to inject a little bit of positivity and happiness into proceedings. There's a, there's a youth feminist Twitter army. Did you know that? I was, I was listening they to haven't right. invited me, bitches. Well, I, 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 I'll, I'll let you decide. <laughs> Leaving me I'll out. let you decide which of those words may not apply to you, <laughs> Natalie. Um, I've got one more question. Uh, Lee, Lee Camp, you spoke about a resource-based economy being an alternative to the current political systems. Could you please explain what you mean? Uh, yeah, I this mean, will be I'm, the last I'm... question of the evening, Lee. So, uh, <laughs> oh, this is going to be take hilarious. Take a long run up. Come on, Lee. come on. 
yeah, I can't do it as well as some people, but basically it's saying that, you know, uh, uh, as as Nick says in his in his act, uh, the, the the capitalist system is based on constant growth in a world with limited resources. <laughs> so it's it's impossible ultimately. Um, and and a resource based economy is saying we we figure out the amount of resources on the earth and we then base the economy on that, so that you aren't ever having a system where eventually they're all gone. Thank you, Lee. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very happy to tell you that our musical guest this evening is a writer and musician who has worked on everything from Have I Got News to You, For You, to Dead Ringers. He's also a regular contributor to Horrible Histories, or, as it's now known, the 1970s. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Dave Cohen. Uh, this is a little song that, that's actually going to be sung to you by uh, members of the coalition. It's, uh, I think it's what you, uh, what you young people might call uh, uh, rap music, actually. <laughs> coalition rap music. Sea rap music, I think, would be the best way to describe it. <laughs> About one aspect of the coalition, anyway. I'm Andrew Mitchell, took my bike for a ride down the side of Downing Street. Collar felt by the heat. Turned him into a celeb, said I called him fucking pleb. Said I used my class to bust his ass. Just cause I've been to rugby, dad a Tory MP like me, served in the army. Those pigs, they just don't get me. I'm straight out of Hampstead. So I say, fuck the police, fuck, fuck, fuck them, fuck the police, fuck, fuck, yeah. Fuck the police, Snoop Doggy Dog Charter, fuck the police, fuck, fuck, yeah. Take it away, Bojo. <laughs> I'm Boris Johnson, pretend to be policeman's friend. <laughs> Said I'd create 5,000 more. Actually, showed 2,000 the door. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, bit of a Boris blunder there. <laughs> 67 stations closed. London alone. You want fuss about the fuzz? Go to Job Seeker Plus. They're all off for applaud seekers' allowance. Ha 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 ha. And we all say, fuck the police. Fuck, fuck. Fuck them. Fuck the police. We're cigars with attitude. Yeah. Fuck the police, fuck, fuck, fuck them, fuck the police, oh yeah. And hey, you, the Bullingdon crew, Dave and Gideon, you can join in too, yeah. Fuck the doctors, fuck the nurses. This is the first time I've ever done this song, and I thought, <laughs> I might fuck it up a bit at some point. This point has now come. Last verse, here we go. Fuck the nurses, fuck the doctors, fuck the teachers, fuck the shops. Fuck the poor, fuck the weak, fuck Clegg, fuck the cops. Fuck the economy, fuck the BBC, fuck you, fuck your kids. In Maggie's friend Savile's case, literally. Fuck every city and fuck every town. We're gonna burn the whole fucking country down. Yeah, fuck the police. Fuck, fuck, fuck them. Fuck the fire service too. Yeah, fuck the police and fuck, fuck you. Thank you. Fuck you very much. Fuck you. Fuck you very much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this has been no pressure to be funny. Would you join me in thanking our guests, Alex Andreu, Lee Camp, Gary Delaney, Nat Lertzema and Dave Cohen. Thank you. Uh, our, next, our next show will be here at the Soho Theatre on Sunday, June the 9th. Um, our guests will be Hal Cruttenden, Liam Malone, Dan Smith 
Jessica Fosterq and Rob Deering. My thanks to the architects of this evening's entertainment, Nick Revel and Alistair Barry. I'm James O'Brien. Good night. Thank you.